I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the award-winning Gethsemane Brown Mysteries, published by Henry Press, and the host of the Cozy Corner Podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every other week, I chat with an author who writes novels on the not-so-gritty end of the crime fiction spectrum. If you prefer mystery without hardcore sex and violence, join us in the Cozy Corner. Welcome. I'm your host, Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries. Joining me today in the Cozy Corner is Darcy Wilde, author of the Rosalind Thorne Mysteries, to chat about her latest and dangerous to know. Welcome, Darcy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. Uh, to start, can you tell us about your Rosalind Thorne Mysteries and in particular about and dangerous to know? Yeah, Rosalind Thorne, um, these are Regency set mysteries. Um, if you think of Jane Austen and Arthur, Con- Arthur Conan Doyle sitting down to write a book together, um, I like to think this would uh, be something uh, like the result. Um, Rosalind, my main character, is an um, aristocrat's daughter. Uh, she has fallen on hard times, though, and her father... Uh, deserted the family and she is left to make her own way in the world and she does this by helping out um, ladies in better circumstances. Um, Initially she started out um, doing things like um, helping with guest lists, managing parties, making social calls and dropping off cards and it somehow managed to branch out into blackmail and murder. As those things are wont to do, right? As, as they do, yes. You never know what's, you know, what's lurking in the ballroom. <laughs> now, as you mentioned, your series is set in Regency England in the 18th century. So what inspired you to choose that time period for your setting? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I uh, also write Regency romances. And I um, was, I decided while I was writing the romances that I was going to go back and read some of the novels uh, that had been written around that time. And there was a very famous one called Almax. And at its time, this book was terribly scandalous. It was an expose of essentially the heart of the marriage market in London. And I thought, oh, great, this is going to be, you know, completely inspirational. And well, okay, by modern standards, it's not a very good novel. It certainly isn't Jane Austen, but buried in, buried in the pages, I found this concept of the useful woman, which is basically what I described for Rosalind. a woman who had by the standards of her social class fallen on hard times and her friends want to help in, uh, step in and help, but they can't offer her money because that would be insulting and degrading. So what they do is they'd invite her to stay. You can come stay at my house for two weeks, for a month. Um, you know, they'd invite her to dinner. Uh, they'd uh, say, oh, I've got, you know, this dress. It would be perfect for you. I already wore it. You go ahead. And she could either wear the dress or she could sell the dress. So they do that. And they were called useful women. And she would, in return, she would help out with the social tasks, help out with running the house. Um, So it was an exchange without an open monetary exchange. And I'm reading this and I'm going, 
why haven't I ever read about a character like this? It was a completely new idea. Uh, so I told my editor, the fabulous Wendy McCurdy, and I wrote up what I thought was going to be a straight romance proposal. And she looked at it and she said, why don't you make this a mystery? And we were off to the races. She was absolutely right. It, you know, it would have been an okay romance, but it turned out to be really good as a mystery. <laughs> uh, you, you were speaking of your research uncovering the concept of, a, of the useful woman. So what other kinds of research did you do to get the historical details right? Um, well, as it turns out, actually, um, reading novels from the time. Now, you know, reading novels for research is always tricky. Um, but that turns out to be very good for this historical time period because it gives you a look at what people were actually concerned about, um, what they felt were the problems of the day. And when you're writing mysteries, it's good to know what everybody was, was worried about. And novels are a great place to find out scams. Uh, to to find out what people were afraid of at the time. So I read a lot of very old, very bad novels. Um, every, oh, there is a reason none of these survived, let me tell you. Um, everybody in Regency England published their diary, swear to God. Wow. And yeah, there are, there's just a ton of, memoirs of diaries of collections of letters um, and thanks to the um, digitization programs which I know we're not supposed to like uh, but they have been really helpful because I can now get hold of via the library um, these manuscripts directly from the 19th century and I can have my own copy, and I don't have to worry about the research room. I don't have to worry about destroying the copy. I can read it with my eggs in the morning, and you know, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be destroying something precious. So that has been absolutely fantastic. Um, there's just a treasure trove out there right now. And going back uh, once again to the concept of the useful woman, you have another character, a female character, uh, Alice, I believe her name is, who is yes. Journalist slash wannabe novelist. Now, this is a time period most of us don't think of women being able to have any sort of a career, and yet you have two women who are basically career women. Uh, can you tell us a little yeah. bit? Yeah, and that is a misconception. Um, we are told women did not have careers. Um, we are told women were not breadwinners. And yet, the most famous woman of the time period, Jane Austen, what was she doing? She was writing books for money. This is true. Um, <laughs> there, it is true that it was frowned upon. And it is true, like I said, you know, with, with Rosalind in a situation like that, um, money tarnished gentility. And yet at the same time, as we know, any society is full of contradictions. Um, women did a lot to earn money. Um, one of the things, and, and they particularly did it when their families were hard up. Writing was a, a relatively genteel way to earn the money. You could be anonymous. You could do it from home while you were doing all your other stuff. And while women were not allowed or not encouraged to learn things like Greek and Latin, they were expected to learn modern languages. So they were expected to learn French and learn German and learn Italian. 
And they were also expected, if they were of the proper social class, to go on the grand tour. So a way a lot of them made money was they'd bring back these articles and these travel books from Europe, or they'd get them sent from Europe, and they'd translate them for magazines, which is something Alice does. Um, They would also write articles on music or publish embroidery patterns or all of these things that that they were expected to be accomplished in they could turn to money because this was a time when newspapers and magazines were exploding and the publishers then as now courted female readership. So they needed experts in women's matters, quote unquote, um, like fashion, like the handicrafts, like the accomplishments um, and, you know, to provide reading that was expected to be improving without being too masculine, because that would overheat your poor brain and ruin you for marriage. And, yeah. <laughs> so people like Alice and like Marianne Spencer Stanhope Hudson, who wrote All Max and Jane Austen, and even higher bred ladies like Lady Carolyn Lamb, who shows up in the latest Rosalind Thorne and Dangerous to Know, um, could um, could and did write a lot of the novels, and they were the founding of not only the modern novel in general, but things like the modern romance genre came straight out of this time period. And and speaking of Lady Caroline Lamb, real historical figures do feature as as characters in your novel. So what sort of challenges did you face in fictionalizing people who actually existed? Oh, Lord, paring it down. Um, (laughs) uh, Especially when you're dealing with, because when you're dealing with Lady Carolyn Lamb, um, your listeners who are also history buffs will know that she is most famous for being Lord Byron's most infamous mistress. And she was, in addition to this, she was an author, she was a mother and a wife, she was a prolific correspondent. So there are a lot of letters about her and around her. Um, She did not live for very long, but there's a lot of material about her. So again, it's a question of Um, There's a lot of material about a lot of people um, who show up in this book. Uh, The question is paring it down and concentrating it and trying to be true to what I understand the character to be. And yet you got to work with it because a lot of things these people did made sense in their time, but are they necessarily going to be sympathetic and comprehensible to the modern audience? So the challenge is, true to the time, yet translate it, maybe is the right word, uh, for the modern audience. And, and how do you decide how much historical detail is enough without crossing that line where it's no longer understandable to your modern audience? Oh, you got to take it case by case. Um, it's, really, it's really a play it by ear. Um, I have a writer's group that I run everything through. So because, you know, because I've done um, a lot of research, it's very, very good to have fresh eyes on this. So I have a, this group of trusted beta readers who will 
underline the parts where their eyes started to glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a background in history yourself? Um, no, I am just a nerd. Um, <laughs> I love to know how things work. I love to know what made the world tick. I, literally, I come out of um, my writing career started in fantasy and science fiction, so I started out world building. So I approach writing historicals from a world building perspective. How did this place function? How did these people move within it? What was going on that affected them? Because again, when we look at the Regency, just as Jane Austen, we see very pastoral, very still, very staid. And don't get me wrong, I love Jane Austen. But this was actually a time of massive social and technological change. People were just coming out of what was the First World War. And everything was changing. The British Empire was just starting to take off. Um, this is going to sound odd, but ships had improved so much, it was getting a lot easier to travel. And that mobility brought trade, um, brought emigration and immigration uh, from around the world. So there was, and London was the hub of it all. Oh, and banking was taking off in new and interesting ways. So all of this was going on and people were responding to it as people do in times of change. Some people were embracing it. Some people were horrified. Um, there was new music. There was new clothing. People were shocked at the morals of the kids with the clothes and the hair. <laughs> Same complaint for the past few hundred years, right? <laughs> and Yeah, and these anarchists and what do they think they're doing? And yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on that sounds really familiar. <laughs> um, and just so so listeners are clear, this is around, I'm, I'm imagining War of 1812 time, a little earlier than that? We are in, um, we are in 1819, actually, uh, 1818, yes. 1818, okay. So um, in a historical perspective, uh, the Napoleonic War finished up three years ago. Uh, Jane Austen's last book was finished one year ago, um, and George III is crazy as a bedbug, and his son is running the country. Okay. Hence, hence, the, hence the phrase Regency. Right, exactly. And speaking of Jane Austen, what's your favorite Jane Austen novel? Oh, wow. Okay. You know, I'm going to have to go with Persuasion. Um, you know, everybody loves Pride and Prejudice. I love Pride and Prejudice. Um, but I really like Persuasion. Um, I find it, I, I, first off, I like a slow burn. Um, I find it very thoughtful and very human. Um, I think it's a mature work. Um, I think Austin may be one of those writers is a little better when they're a little shorter. It's a, it's a briefer work um, than, than either Sense and Sensibility or um, Pride and Prejudice. Um, I think, uh, you know, the tragedy of Jane Austen is that she left us only the five 
Um, and I think persuasion shows she was really just getting her stride. Um, so yeah, um, big fan of Ann Elliott. And I, I admit persuasion, I think is one of my two favorites. The other one being uh, Northanger Abbey, because that one is really oh. vicious. <laughs> I never realized how yes. vicious Jane Austen could be. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Um, she had a very sharp quill, uh, that does not come through in a lot of the adaptations, but yeah, she was, uh, she was a very bless your heart kind of writer. Um, you know, all that, that dry English sarcasm. Yes. Have you, there, oh God, there's a really good adaptation, um, out there. I'm trying to remember who the star is. Have to look it up, but yes, I love Northanger Abbey. I love the snark in there. <laughs> I'm I'm all for snark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and well, my next question is not particularly snarky though. Uh, what what is uh, next for Rosalind, and uh, what other historical figures might we look forward to seeing in future stories? Well, let's see. Um, Rosalind, I have uh, just handed in uh, the. The next book, um, A Lady Compromised, and uh, this is going to be Rosalind sort of figuring out what she wants to do uh, with herself. Um, we don't have any genuine historical figures in here, but we do deal um, with some genuine historical problems uh, in that we are out in the country and we are, you know, all that lovely English pastoral countryside, yeah, maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, she's got to deal with uh, a uh, a gentleman who's been found dead on the dueling ground, except oh, the duel dear. never happened. Oh, okay. So, problem. <laughs> and maybe maybe a little bit of a city girl versus country tension? We have some city versus country tension. Um, we have the problem uh, that she is, she's really... Um, out there trying to decide which direction she wants her life to go in. Um, and then she gets another dead body dropped on her. Um, you know, it's, she's not having her best day. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a dead body, though, to help a girl kind of put things in perspective. Yes, really. It focuses the attention. And your, your latest and dangerous to know is available now. So where can readers buy a copy? They can buy a copy at their favorite independent bookstore. Always shop indie first. Um, if you want to go online, if you don't necessarily have an independent bookstore near you, you can go online to indiebound.org. Um, it's an online bookshop. You can order it there. Your nearest independent bookshop um, will get the order and ship it to you. Um, so I always recommend you go there first. But it is also, of course, available on Amazon and at Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and uh, pretty much anywhere you want to go. And approximately when do you think A Lady Compromise might be available? That is coming out in uh, 2021, I think in November, but I don't have an exact date. However, if you want all the news, you can go to my website, DarcyWildAuthor.com and sign up for my newsletter. Um, it's right at the top. You can just uh, just type your email in and uh, you will be the first to know as soon as I do. And other than your website, can readers find you on social media? 
Yes, they can. They can find me on, they can search on Darcy Wild author on Facebook. I am Darcy underscore Wild on Twitter. And I am Darcy Wild author on Instagram. That's brand new. And I've been busy uploading all kinds of pictures. It's fun. Well, that's fun. I'll have to go check that out. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me today, Darcy. And I enjoyed chatting with you about uh, Regency England and useful women and dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for inviting me to the Cozy Corner. This has been great. And this has been your host, Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries. Thank you, listeners, for joining my guests, Darcy Wilde and me, in the Cozy Corner for our chat about And Dangerous to Know, the newest Rosalind Thorne mystery from Kensington. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Cozy Corner Podcast, part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and the host of the podcast. Tune in next time as I chat with another author writing on the lighter side of crime. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.